Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ah, you heard the man. Live on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now, iTunes, Spotify. It's a rating and review. We want to hear what you think of JB. <laughs> not, not Sammy. Not right now. Not me. Just Justin Bourne. Maybe wait until... A couple of days when my latest article has blown over a little bit more. And then, rate and review me. Right now, <laughs> I'm not at the, the peak of my popularity. <laughs> no, you are on our show. No questions about that. And in about five minutes, so will Chris Pronger, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion, will be joining us. He's a really, really busy guy. He so is. we're going to get him in real early on this show uh, and get his thoughts on on so many things, including the Toronto Maple Leafs playing defense. What maybe a guy like Morgan Riley's going through, at least coming back off of a lengthy injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and more in a few minutes with Chris Pronger. Also on the show, Sean Reynolds, Sportsnet reporter in Winnipeg. This is a big one, JB. Yeah, Toronto and Winnipeg. We had. Head coach Rick Bonus on the show yesterday. Yeah, great interview. Talked about... Uh, Is there anything better than beating the Leafs? Hey, no. anything better? Any, anything better than beating the Leafs? Apparently. He didn't say that. No, but I mean, this is... That was is, Mark Shifley last this year. This has become a running joke now that the Jets think that it's a big rivalry with the Leafs, and the Leafs are like, you're 11th place on the rivalry list for us. Is that not fair, Sammy? Oh, your mic's off. On? Yeah. Am I you. talking into the abyss? I gotcha. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Right now? Currently. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think that this is up high on the rivalry. Oh, you do? I do. And I don't want to give the Jets too much credit because it's like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think about you a whole lot at all. But I do with them. It is a rivalry and it does matter. Okay. Oh, yeah. Do you think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know where it started or at least this this kind of version of the rivalry where it started? Canadian division? Nope. Before that. I'm stuck. Oh, uh, Spezza kneeing, what's no. his name in the head? Before that. Oh. Um, really testing my... The Atlanta Thrashers and Leafs used to have some... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. They did. 2016. Mm-hmm. Oh, Line A and Matthews. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where it started. You're good at your job. That's oh, no. a great point. Without that, a that, doubt, was, this was sure. one versus two, and they had that epic hockey game which if i'm not mistaken was on saturday night it was not on a saturday it night. was not no a sunday it was, it was a weekday because i remember oh, it was a crappy weekday i came back from you really the, peed 20, on your cornflakes there. Wow, that 20, just it was, well, it was, shut my story right down <laughs> listen it was 2016 <laughs> i remember it because i went to uh i saw the jays get eliminated from the alcs against uh the then cleveland uh indians then but now the guardians i um came home and i put on the game and i was like oh thank god the Leafs are winning 4 nothing. I really needed this tonight. And then Patrick Laine storms back. He gets a hat trick. Because it was an afternoon game, the Jays game. I think it was like a 3 or 4 o'clock start. This is the most thorough backstory for when the game but was. It, this <laughs> is why he's on the show. Because yeah. I've been hitting the head about a dozen times. And all I can think of is... Liney Line versus Matthews, and then he comes in on what they had for breakfast and that day. I uh, remember Liney scoring three and the OT winner. And what everyone thought was Jose Bautista's final at bat, he hit a double down the line. Everybody got really excited. So um, it was great. I actually broke my remote that night. I was so pissed but, off about but, the Jets. Hey, the, uh, I do remember they went toe oh, to yeah. toe. Great. It was like a overtime. heavyweight. Yeah. 
It was the Crosby Ovechkin dueling hat trick playoff game of the regular season. It was the baby version of Crosby Ovechkin. I don't know if you remember in the overtime, Matthews had a big chance right before Line A scored. Wide open breakaway. Comes flying in, got stoned by Hellebuck, goes down the other way. Line A shoots one under the bar. Sam McKee in 2016 broke his remote. He was so pissed off. (laughs) Slammed it against the ground. I'm glad. I'm glad we have 2023, Sammy. And they were. And the feeling was like, we'll take this for the next 15 years. I know. Like, where would you have had your thoughts that Patrick Line wouldn't even be a Winnipeg Jet? It would have seemed impossible because you would have said they'll do whatever he wants, right? Like just whatever it takes to keep him. They throw all the money at him, but just didn't play out that way, did it? With injuries and bitterness. Culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The team culture did not welcome him in. Uh, it was a battle from the moment he got there. You know, heaven forbid a guy be different. Oh, God, never mind. <laughs> Easy, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about this again. Well. You know, that's, uh, he is, uh, again, Patrick Liney is the type of guy that if uh, there's a group of guys going out for beers at lunch, he'd rather stay in his room and play video games. Right. Which, and, okay. Yeah, it's fine. Right. Like, I don't care what you do. Right. I'll put you in bubble wrap if you can score me a hat trick and help sure. me look good the rest of the year. Help me win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. But it is, you know, and that did speak to Bonus wanting to change the way to whatever it was he wanted to change about the dressing room. They made that change, and they're obviously having success with the way it's currently constructed. And that uh, we'll, we'll get a firsthand look at it tonight because there has been a, a shift with Rick Bonus. Did you notice Bonus really talking up Dubois in that interview? I, I, I thought he, was, he praised him a lot, and I was wondering if there's some hope of, like, having that relationship be different. Bonus is there. Can we keep him? Yes, and uh, uh, I think you can always try. Like, really, if you look at it uh, without feeling like you need to do something beforehand, you have till July of 2024 before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. A lot can happen between then and now, and we'll pick up on that conversation, but let's welcome in a very busy guy, Hall of Famer Chris Pronger. Very busy guy. Very, very busy. <laughs> and you know when it got really, really busy is when we saw that, uh, you know, that, that near tragedy of uh, the Buffalo Bills with uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin and how everybody raced to the hockey version of this uh, with you, what, 20-some years ago when your heart stopped. And that, uh, that kept you very busy, didn't it? <laughs> It did, yeah. I uh, there was an outpouring of requests, mm-hmm. uh, some of which I was unable to get back to. But uh, uh, you know, I think very very similar experience. And as I delve deeper into it, uh, more similar than I guess I realized. But uh, uh, happy to see that he's doing well and back home and and uh, on the mend. Can, can I ask uh, what the, the sequence after that on? How t- how fast did it get uh, take you to uh, digest what happened and how you could be reassured it won't happen again? Was there ever a part of you that doubted that uh, something like this could end my career? Uh, take us back then. Yeah, um, I I don't think it's an end your career. I think it's an end your life type of thing. And mm-hmm. as as we just saw with what transpired a few Mondays ago in in Cincinnati. And I think uh, as I look back on mine, it, it was really about, can this happen again? 
You know, there's so many things that have to go perfectly in a sequence of events for this to actually happen and for, for this to stop your heart. And there are so many in nanoseconds, and there's so many things that have to transpire in nanoseconds, step after step. It's like four or five things that have to happen, and then you'd be hit for this to actually occur. So um, as I talked to my heart specialist when I got back here to St. Louis before playing in game three against Detroit, it was more a matter of how did this happen, why did this happen, and then could this happen again? And playing a physical brand of hockey, you, you know, you're going to get hit in the chest. You're going to get hit, you know, all over the place. Um, you know, are there any repercussions? Are there any short-term, long-term uh, effects of, of the injury? And then, you know, subsequent injuries. And uh, and she was pretty clear that, that this was similar to winning the lottery. I mean, it, it so many things have to go perfectly in order and from a timing perspective that that the likelihood of this happening again, and just based on the fact that it was 25 years ago and hadn't happened in hockey since, um, you know, I think kind of speaks to that. And and then obviously the the DeMar Hamlin incident that we saw, uh, how infrequent this happens in in football. So uh, it's not something that that really, I mean, you certainly, uh, as we saw, you, you plan for, uh, events to, to occur and, and, and you have to be prepared and, and you follow protocols and things of that nature. But, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily this specific one. Does it compare to playing with an injury where you have it in the back of your mind? Like at what, how long did it take before you just didn't think about it anymore and you were just free and clear again? Well, I think that was the conversation I had to have with the heart specialist was, and, and as she walked me through all the different things and uh, you know, how from a timing perspective and all that stuff. And, and really it, it's having these conversations. I talked to her for probably two, two and a half hours before deciding to go down to the rink and, and kind of get up to speed and start preparing and, 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 and take warm up was, was really, okay. If I get hit, is this going to happen? No. Is it a hundred percent? No, but nothing in life is a hundred percent. Are the chances minuscule? And, and when I say minuscule, I mean like winning, winning a lottery. Yes. Um, and, and really it was just a matter of me saying, okay, uh, you know, being 23 years old and, and still pretty crazy and wild and, um, throwing caution to the wind and wanting to play, you know, I probably, you know, you could maybe look back now 25 years later and say, maybe it was a little reckless, but, uh, at that point in time, you know, not having social media and all that stuff probably helped, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of people that that I've known over the years, other athletes in other sports that when this incident happened and I started talking about mine, they were frankly a little embarrassed and shocked that it had happened to me and they didn't know about it. And, and really, I mean, it's a sign of the, the times. I mean, it's 98, uh, no social media, not, you know, uh, it was a Fox game, but um, you know, the other athletes are doing other things and, and not really paying attention. So uh, I, do, I don't really remember there being a whole lot of, publicity around the situation either other than you know in Detroit and in St. Louis because of our playoff series um you know there uh, there was no internet there was nothing one uh, one more JB yeah, no, no. One, one more. I'll come back tomorrow it's fine no 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 one more and I'll get you in I promise but um speaking of that uh correct me if I'm wrong but uh, the game continued does does that did that speak to how much you were disliked back then <laughs> 
I think it's a byproduct of a couple of things. One, that may be that may be true. <laughs> but two, I think uh, you know it, it was not a, a prolonged sequence of events on the ice similar to, yeah. to what we just saw in Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I regained consciousness. I started breathing again uh, in, in you know in less than a minute. And, and, you know, I think it was like 30 seconds. So, um, you know, while the scene looks gruesome, it was pretty quick, unlike what we just saw where things were unraveling and transpiring, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like forever. You know, as you're waiting to get more information and the screen's just blank, you know, with just the scene and not a whole lot of talking because people aren't really wanting to offer up any guesses and suggestions as to what's transpiring. Um so, you know, I think they knew I was going to be okay. I went off on the stretcher, got in the ambulance, you know, got on my way. You know, it, it probably affected guys a little bit. You know, when you see a scene like that, you see something happen, um, you know, it affects you. But uh, I, I really don't think, you know, again, time and place and circumstance, I, I don't really think it, it was thought of. It was a big deal, but I don't think it was it – was, as big as it certainly was, and, and the stage was, uh, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Fox Channel in '98. I hope they didn't show the Fox glow puck laser into your oh, chest. They did. That was, did they oh, really? laser oh. beamed right into my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to laugh. That's awful. Um, all right. Well, then let me take that to injuries and coming back from injuries today. Um, in Toronto right now, they've got a number one D-man in Morgan Riley, who, you know, frankly hasn't looked like himself when he, since he's come back from injury. Just wanted to get a sense from you. I'm sure you had stretches of your career where you didn't play at your best and knew there's a lot of pressure and you're supposed to be the guy. Is there something you can do to play your way out of that? Or is it just be, you're a good player, you play enough games, you'll find the confidence naturally? It'll come back. You know, I think sometimes when you come back and you're not 100%, as most guys are not, come back, they play injured. Um, you know, as as guys used to say, you at 50% is better than the next guy that's going to be playing. Right. So, you know, you got to look at that. And, you, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but they're probably true. And so, you know, he's working his way back in. He's trying to gain confidence in his play. He's trying to gain confidence in the injury and, and where his health is at. And and it takes a bit of time. Every, everybody's different. You know, you don't just turn the page and uh, poof, you're you're all good. Uh, you know, there could be hesitation in, in certain aspects of his game. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it's a matter of the layoff and then getting reacclimated and get comfortable and, and getting your rhythm back. Uh, you know, a lot of times you're not, you don't get a ton of practice time. And these, frankly, these guys don't practice at all anyways. So you're not really getting that practice time to get up to speed and get comfortable and, and do all the things that typically we used to do to get ready to, to play. Uh, you know, you're skating by yourself or with a couple other guys that are healthy scratches, trying to work your way back in. And, um, you know, that's just not the same simulation as, as a hard, you know, practice before a game or what have you. And, and these guys don't really practice that much anymore. You know, when, and not to compare Morgan Riley to your game at, in any way, but you also had the, uh, the game to put up 50 or 60 points and maybe 15 goals. And there was a, a, I'm sure a little pressure of you to provide some offense, but when, when you did struggle at times, whether it was offense or defense, did you catch yourself saying, okay, now then I'm just going to focus on this one thing, or 
does it all kind of come back together uh, and, and you can feel comfortable about your whole game? When, it, when all aspects of your game aren't running well, where, do you, where yeah. did you go first to correct it? No, I always, I always reverted back to how I defended, how I played the game defensively first. Uh, and then as you get comfortable defending and, and how you defend, you know, I typically would, you get tired or you get a little wore out, you tend to lean forward and, and you're lunging a little bit more so than, than being mobile and, and, and agile back there uh, for me personally. And, and as I readjusted how I defended, then, then you, the comfort level and, and defending and, and having access to loose pucks and things of that nature, you then, you move them quickly. You get into transition. Now you're moving up in the attack. It, everything flows from defense. And as you feel more comfortable defensively, you'll then flow into the transition game, which then flows in the offensive game. And you'll be able to push pucks and, and, and especially him using his feet with, with the type of skater he is. Uh, he'll be able to get in on the attack, uh, you know, provide fourth, fifth man support, sometimes lead the rush, but also from the defensive standpoint, using his legs to, to defend you know, create breakout opportunities in, tra- in the transition game and, and things like that. And, and as he feels more comfortable, game in, game out, and that all starts to come together, the defensive side for me would, would, would kickstart the offensive side. And then you feel more comfortable with the puck because you know you're creating turnovers and you've got to do something with them. And, 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 and slowly the, every facet of your game's com- game comes back together. Prongs, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Kipper's a journalist. He uh, he has a column in the Toronto Star <laughs> once a week. Here he does. Prongs, you know I can do it all, right? <laughs> he's, he's a renaissance man up here. One-stop shop. Yeah, and so today's column he wrote about uh, the Leafs and finding a little toughness lately. They've, uh, you know, a couple of the guys you don't think of as heavyweights have gotten involved in some skirmishes, sticking up for one, one another. And I wanted to get your thoughts on if... You know, you can, I don't know, I don't want to say bluff, but if you can play that way when it's not intrinsic to you, is it possible for the Leafs to have that element, even though it's not just a natural element of some of these guys' game? Well, I think, I think from, from a toughness perspective, you know, I think you can look at it more so this way, that they're bonding together, they're creating chemistry and, and, and another storyline for mm-hmm. them to talk about within their room to bring them closer together so that come playoff time, they're willing to, you know, dive in front of a puck face first to block a shot to save a game and, and win a hockey game. They're able to, you know, they're able to then rely on one another to protect each other and, 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 and be, you know, when you're on winning teams and, and you're able to win a championship, there's a bond amongst, your, amongst the team and the coaching staff and, and management. You're all pushing towards the same goal. You're all in, in the same fight together and, and you – you really mesh, and, and when you see somebody out of the norm stick up for somebody or, or stand up to somebody that they don't like, something happened, and, and on and on, it can galvanize the locker room. And, you know, whether it's somebody that doesn't traditionally drop the gloves or, or play a physical brand, what have you, you know, I think when you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and the mold that they've created within the NHL, they're not an overly tough team, per se, vis-a-vis fighting. But they're a tough team to play against because each and every one of those players plays hard on the puck and they compete for every puck and they use their bodies to separate the man from the puck and they dig. That's tough hockey. And, and you're going to have tough teams that might be able to beat you up, but they can't necessarily win you, beat you in a puck battle. 
And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, the way this game has trended, that's what matters the most. However, having said that, it is nice to know that your teammates have your back. It, it is nice to know that your teammates are willing to stick up for you and, and show some grit and, and determination to, to bring the group together when situations arise. And who doesn't like that feeling? And I, it's not even a sport thing. It's, hey, go to work. Go into an office. Yeah. Go anywhere in this world knowing that someone has your back. And that changes everything, the way you feel about them. And if, you're, if your common goal together is to win a game or uh, uh, work well and, and create revenue in your office, it's all the same. Yep, exactly. You know, if you have that comfort and, and that uh, feeling about your teammate, your coworker, what have you, that, that they're willing to do whatever it takes for the company, for the team, I mean, great, great success begins with that. And, and certainly uh, as this team finds themselves and finds their, you know, obviously they've played a much better defensive style this year. Does that translate to the playoffs? You know, again, it's, it's always a wait and see with this team. You never know what's going to happen. So you would think that the lessons they're learning and have learned in prior years and now this season vis-a-vis the style of play, um, you know, you, you would think that it would uh, bode well for them. Bronx, before we let you go, I just want to know, what have you been up to these days? we got nothing in the, the bio here today. He's on every he week on Sportsnet, oh. uh, uh, aren't you, with Amber? <laughs> What's going on these days? Um, i, I Tra- got a bet MGM breakdown segment on Sportsnet on oh, Monday. Boy. I've got, uh, yeah, I just am working on a couple of things for Twitter and, and social media. i got a few things in the hopper that I'm I'm working on. I'm, uh, I'm on a few advisory boards with some companies. So, all right, just staying as busy as I want to be, and, and we have our travel company. So, uh, as, as busy as I need to be when I when I need to do something. I hope it's not is, Sunwing. Is, is is all that MGM credit going uh, in in your bank, or is it going is it going right, right back. back to them? Are you just hold, Are you just temporarily holding on to it until you give it back to them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it? no, I'm not. I'm not much of a gambler. Okay. I learned. Uh, I, I learned. I learned this lesson many, many, many years ago. <laughs> I'm not good at gambling, so don't do it. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, Prongs, always fun having you on this show. We really appreciate your time, man. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is uh, Stanley Cup champion Chris Pronger, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever play on the blue line. I don't think I could interview him in person because I'd be afraid he'd, like, stick me or something. <laughs> I, I feel like with a distance, I can approach him more hey, easily. That, hey, that Prongs, easily. what are you up to recently? Oh, you know, just being grossly rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much you don't worry about it, I'm bud? Obscenely rich. <laughs> You're looking at his career earnings? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. There's 111 on here. Whoa. I want to follow up a little bit on, uh, and you touched on it, when we spoke to Chris on uh, the article that I wrote for the Toronto Star today and mm-hmm. it just my observations the last two games, that what stood out for me was the, the fact that uh, it gave us a little bit of a different look that we've been accustomed to out of the Toronto Maple Leafs and that is uh, the, the lack of time it took them to respond to certain things and yeah. Wayne Simmons actually was the initiator running over Nick Felino Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Is it that noticeable for you as well in terms of now maybe seeing them in a little bit of a different light? Small sample size yeah, here, yeah. granted, you know, I mean, but is it something that they needed to kind of show 
I don't know. When I look at this bottom six, McMahon, Kampf, Engvall, Aston Reese, Kerfoot, Hunt, like it's not soft. I know you're not, I know it's not what you're looking for. And I know, you know, what, what the team would like to have is a little bit more of a punch first than a react. But I, I at least feel now like, you know, these, there's some guys there who will go back at the other side a little bit. And I thought Pronger's point about galvanizing a team is a really good yeah. one. You know, the guy who doesn't usually fight, who goes out there and does it, and everyone's like, hey, you know, you go in the room and it's like a big deal. There's something uniting about that. Yes. You know, like, and, you know, and, and, you guys have heard me on this show the last few years, and when when I hear guys on the team talk about how close they are, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we get together here, we'll go ice fishing here. They're up at uh, you know uh, the cottage, they're hanging yeah. out. It's like great, but, but you don't you, see it on. But the if ice. you don't see that on yeah. the ice, to what Prongs just talked about, then what's the point? Right, right. Invite we're, you. We're we're besties until it's difficult. You go to the cottage. <laughs> yeah, I'm great at going right? cottages. What's the point? I drink way less Palm Bays than I used to. If, way less little Buddhas than I used to. If, if you don't feel like that guy has your back on the ice, yeah. then what's the point of hanging out off the ice? Right. Yeah, no, and, and so to your article's point, can that be a moment for the team where you're like, God, that felt good, eh? Like we had each other's back. We rallied in the game that got the energy up. Willie gets us the OT winner after, you know, headbutting one in the net like Zidane. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're feeling good, feeling like that's a, a way it can work for you. Sammy, is was that a topic of conversation this last week with, the you know, your Leaf Nation? Well, I think the conversation is, is that whenever they play these teams that they don't like, it's there. Like, you, you look at them playing against the Jets last time they played against them. It was a greasy game, and they kind of initiated. They and you know, against Boston, it kind of set the tone. I think they have to have this investment. Find. I think what they need to do is find a way to act like they do when they play the Bruins or the Jets or the Cats. In not every game, just holding not up have pictures of Darlene for Matthews yeah, every I, game because they they do have it in them. And I was jokingly referring to this as Grease Week because it's three. Matchup. It's a matchup with three teams that you don't really like, with Boston, uh, Florida, and now Winnipeg, and then Montreal on Saturday night. It's a good chance for the Leafs to kind of flex this kind of muscle, and people are talking about it a little bit. All right, let's go to Sheldon Key for our first Kippers Clipper of the day on sticking up for each other. Well, if I, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I could say that. I think some. I think some of our the dynamics of some of our players have changed. You know, I, I don't. It's not the kind of thing I think a lot about. But uh, all I would say is that I've been really happy with how we've addressed any of those situations that have have come up during the season at different points. Uh, you know, most recently just the other night, but all throughout the season when when a situation has come up, I've really liked our response. So, but I don't like that he said that's something I didn't really think a lot about. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you? Th- Think about it a lot. You've had plenty of examples in the past where we're watching guys that could defend for one another and they don't. And you're wondering, are we watching the same game? Well, this is all back to that Philly moment, isn't it? And that, to me, is Keith making a statement that every time this has come up, I've liked our response. He's seeing Bunting go after Konechny and Giordano's spear tackle. And, you know, the rest of us are seeing Matthews in that moment not doing it. Right? Is that not the separation here? The Keefe is saying we've liked our response, where we're saying 
or seeing it hasn't come from everyone all the time? I think the more they, the more guys that do it, the easier it gets for another guy to do it. Yes, because you and know you you're start, not in there alone. You don't want to be the one guy alone. in there alone. And, you know, if, if you happen to be 190 pounds or 200 pounds and you see a guy 170 pounds like Bunting doing it, you, you almost guilt a guy to kind of go, all right. I guess I better. I, Let me at him. Let me at him. That's um, like just or or fake it until you make it, you right? Just mic'd up that game, yeah. No, exactly. Scrappy do. Like just look the part. Yes. Yeah. No, definitely. You see a couple of guys in there and already tangling with the big boys. It's a lot easier to go in and just grab a guy and hang on. All right. Let's. Uh, we talked about a little earlier about uh, Matthews and La- uh, Patrick Liney back in uh, what 2016, uh, drafted first and second. Let's pick up Sheldon Keefe's thoughts on the Jets and the rivalry. I think a lot of it is, as we talked about the last time we played, these guys come through, you know, the Canadian division and playing them as, as often as we did. Um, you know, so when, whenever that happens, I think you, you just tend to, you just tend to be that much more alert, that much more aware, that much um, more respect for your opponent, all those kind of things when you see them that much, uh, see them that often. And, and I think we've been playing a number of games like that recently, you know, whether it's Boston, at night, in you know, divisional uh, opponent like Florida, you know, in, in what they bring. So, to that end, I think our players are getting comfortable in these spots, and are, and you know, it's it's fitting that we've been through them and expect more of the same tonight. So, if we were um, to rank all Canadian teams mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, Attention. In terms of attention? Yes. Oh. In terms of attention. Okay. So Leafs, Canucks. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Okay. Toronto first. Yeah. The second. Vancouver, we Montreal. We talk about Vancouver a ton. Are you talking about generally or right Just this generally. year? Generally. Generally, Montreal is ahead of. But the market's bigger in Vancouver. Is that right? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Vancouver, Montreal. Okay. Can get a let's slash go, line for let's me. go. Let's go. Let's uh, go. Uh, I think you got to go Montreal and Vancouver. Okay. 2A and 2B. We'll put Van- Montreal, Vancouver. Connor and, McDavid. And then McDavid. And then And then Calgary. Flames. Yeah. And then. The Jets are also in the league. Ottawa or Winnipeg? Winnipeg gets more attention than Ottawa because Ottawa hasn't even been interesting. I don't know. I've got Winnipeg. Last. In terms of. Yeah. The. The. Uh, the attention, the yeah. media. Ottawa's just closer to Toronto. Closer, and there's it just seems <laughs> in the division. Generally, the media probably zone. writes a lot more about Ottawa. Yeah. Outside of Vancouver or uh, Winnipeg getting. My, my whole point in this yes. is that Winnipeg, I, I think knocking the top dogs off their little perch right. is an incentive for them. Yes. Uh, and that's part of maybe this recent rivalry is that they get all the attention. They got all the love. Hockey Night Canada gives them their, their 20 minutes. They squeeze us in for three minutes in the warm-ups. And it's like, yeah, every time they play Toronto, it's like I get to get a, a bit of a, a stage here. They it's, hate us because they ain't us. I remember Kevin Bieksa saying on Hockey Night in Canada that even when he was with the Canucks, they resented the Leafs a little bit because... Because of that. Yeah. 
you know, and Vancouver was a much better team, much better for a long time when Bieksa was there. And everyone was like, and, and they still didn't get the attention. So you can understand how a team like Winnipeg, who's been to were they the conference final or sorry, division final last year, you know, they've, they've had some success in the postseason yeah. recently with elite players on their team for many years. And it's, you know, it hasn't. So I understand your point that they would be a little revved up to, yeah, Take a swing that, at the that's Leafs. where the little extra uh, uh, juice comes from. Maybe Mark Shifley uh, and the boys coming into the the room thinking that they, uh, yeah, they they beat uh, they beat the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. Cause, you know, the, I think the thing with the Leafs, it's undeserved attention would be if you're on the other team, right? It is, but it, we all know it's driven because of the the money, right? The the, the ability to uh, create revenue or ratings it's all i gotta tell you some, of, some of, the of these guys market. should be pray or thankful they're they're not here everyone's like kyle connor is unbelievable for the last five years he'd have been willie nylander here he'd have been the whipping boy who does not play defense who shoots it in the net a lot you know like the lack of attention doesn't hurt everyone in a lot of these I don't cases know. he's a good goal scorer he's one of the better wingers uh goal scorers maybe he would be willie nylander who, if he was here who would you rather have willie nylander or kyle connor nylander Connor is, I, I, you know, Ealer, or sorry, um, Bonus yesterday said he's taught, you know, where they've been working on his defense. He's paying more attention to the defensive side of the puck. He's one of the worst defensive forwards for me, or it has been the past years defensively. I just think Willie's uh, got a notch up on, on, uh, on just an overall Willie's skill. strong. Just like overall that's, skill, too. The puck too. he takes across the net, yeah. And just uh, maybe seeing the ice more of a, Playmaker yeah. than Connor a shooter. Shoot it in. Right? For sure. For sure. But I mean, this Jets team, they're having unbelievable success in that central. You know, you look up and down the lineup, the Leafs can get them. Manalainen, Kuhlman, Gagne, Stenland. You know, like there's, I'm not looking at the Leafs' bottom six and thinking that they can't hang with them. So, should be a great game. Tons of elite players on the ice tonight. We spoke to Chris Pronger earlier about uh, maybe some of the. Uh, Things that uh, Morgan Riley's been going through the last 10 games since coming off his injury. Mm-hmm. It's this a little bit maybe Morgan versus Josh Morrissey tonight? For sure. I think there's some of that. And I also think it's hilarious. Borny pointed this out in our group chat that we had Jovo on on whatever day that was. Was that Tuesday we had him on? Yeah. And he's like, you know, the way to get back out of a slump is just to keep it simple. Let the puck do the work. Off the glass. And then Morgan's like, Morgan Riley's led seven rushes tonight. <laughs> he did the, the exact yeah, opposite. He's, uh, you hear Pronger again? I loved Pronger's when my when I struggled in certain areas. You just go back and, and just make sure you it's it's it from your own zone out. You defend, and you know what happens then is you're on the right side of the play, and you can see everything develop, and it seems easier. You're did, not ahead and in it, and it's all around you. Didn't get that feeling out of Morgan versus did not uh, get that feeling. The <laughs> no, he was in the thick of it up the up the rink for sure. Um, one thing, so we have so many things to do on the Leafs here before tonight's game. One thing I did want to mention is the fancy stats. The Jets are elite, elite, like top two or three teams in the league in slot passes, like connecting on passes into the slot from outside, yeah. which makes goalies move a lot, which makes it a tough game to goaltend. They don't get a ton of shots, but the shots they get are usually off passes. Tough game to goaltend tonight. Okay. Uh, speaking of, Samsonov's in the net tonight. He is. Uh, no surprise here from you guys, or I, I kind of planted a little bit of a seed that uh, you know maybe they do go back to you. Okay, 
I'm alive. Maybe they go back to Matt Murray. Well, no. you, you could see them wanting to say, you know, one bad game's no big deal. We didn't pull you and then you lost your spot. You know, you're going right back in. So, yeah, there's a little part of me that's interested that Sammy gets tonight. It could be that they think it's a tougher game and they want to, you know, give Murray a chance to put him in a position to succeed. Do we have a quick clip of Sheldon talking about his goalies? We do have that. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Okay. Well, I think in a case like this, you know, the decision is quite easy. You know, Sammy came in and did a terrific job for us. And, and uh, you know, Murr had, has come off playing two in a row. And this, this was an easy one. Maybe four of eight was an easy one. <laughs> easy. Four, four goals on eight shots? Or was <laughs> yeah. it four and nine? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But so let's just say Samsonov has a great game. Do you give him a chance to run with it for two in a row? Do you go back to him Saturday night in Montreal? Or do you still play off that? I want both of these guys uh, feeling good about themselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. Somebody, if, if you give somebody a run, that means somebody else is going to feel like crap. And is Sheldon okay with one goalie feeling bad about themselves for maybe a week? <laughs> Apparently not. They're like his two young children that need equal amounts of love. Let me ask you, if they made a deal for a different goaltender at the deadline, let's just say they said, we can get rid of Murray's cap hit, we can spend that money on another player, we're able to get goalie X at, a retained, at a retained Cam salary. Talbot. Sure. He's a sieve. Okay. I'm just, we're, we're throwing. I don't know if you names. saw the highlights. Varlamov. You watch the highlights of that Whatever. game Varlamov. last night? Whatever. Whoever it is. Four goals went through his glove last night. All right. You're not right, helping. Would yeah. you, would you think it a waste of assets for the Leafs to try to improve in net? Yes. So I not would, even worth it at this I, point. I would be so upset that you just spent 65 games and we still don't. We're just throwing spaghetti on the wall to see if it sticks. I'd be really upset if I was Brendan or the board of directors to go, what the hell have you been doing for 60 games? And you got to come to me hand, now if, and tell me you got to trade for another goalie. If you point at the pile of noodles on the floor and say, nothing stuck. So do you want me to keep trying to stick the same noodles or should I get some other noodles? You're the noodle and you're joining that pile. Okay. That's what I say. Uh, you're good. one of those noodles. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Okay. I don't. You, that's your bed. Lie in it. Mm-hmm. Those are your goalies. That's what you told me you wanted to do. You did it. Don't bail on it now. Oh, all right. That's <laughs> uh, funny. That was <laughs> a good joke, Kipper. <laughs> uh, go. Biggest start of the year by far for Samsonov tonight. Really big one. Huge. This one, hey, if if I'm Samsonov, I'm feeling really good about coming in cold against Florida mm-hmm. and doing what I did. I am going in tonight with a ton of confidence, and I think this has a chance to be a low-scoring game tonight. I'm going to take the other side of that. I think this Jets team scores like crazy, and Samsonov scares the hell out of me. At least goalies scare me. I just can't. Yeah. I, there was, I, I picked up a little bit of Rick Bonus last night that says that we got to do a better job around Hellebuck, yeah. and we got to tighten things up. To me, that's the focus of Winnipeg tonight, not putting the puck in the net. Yeah. But, I mean, I could be wrong. No. You could be right. We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. That's the fun of Sports Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing, because the Jets you know, now should be setting their sights on 
something bigger, right? Like they're first in their division. Is this year that they're going to go on a run? Can they tighten it up? You talked about playing well enough to convince your GM to trade for someone. So I do think, to your point, that they will want to show they can play tight and against big teams and big games and whatever. Yeah. You might yeah. see a pretty interesting Jets team tonight. Uh, a tight uh, shot-blocking night that we saw much of November and early December, does that come into play? Could you frustrate uh, those uh, analytical stats yeah. that you were talking about? Could the Leafs be in a position to block a lot of shots in that in those danger areas that you're talking about? Yeah, and they excel there. The Leafs actually block shots really well. Justin Hall, Giordano, those guys, Lilligren, they all block shots really well. So certainly that could be a factor. Okay, we've got um, Mike Rupp in the second hour as well. I didn't even tee him up. Stanley Cup champions all the way around. Yeah. Chris Pronger early, Mike Rupp in the second hour. But between that, we go to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, uh, who covers uh, the Jets. Yeah. And uh, we'll get his thoughts. We talked earlier about Pierre-Luc Dubois and his chances. And is there enough time between now and July of 2024 for him to maybe think about staying in Winnipeg long term? We'll ask Sean. You'll get our thoughts. Plenty more on Real Kipper and Bourne after the break. Welcome in Sean Reynolds who help us tee up tonight's matchup. Just kind of feeling good about this week. Boston, as Sammy had mentioned, Florida, and now what could be a fairly emotional game, especially with Winnipeg coming off a, a loss, as Rick Bonus told us about that the other day, that uh, hasn't got them feeling too good. Uh, let's welcome in Sean to talk about it. Uh, Sean, how are you, pal? Thanks for doing this. Uh, anytime, Kipper. How are you doing? We're good. So, hey, listen, how easy is your job when you cover a team that uh, really was supposed to suck this year? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I had them bouncing back under Rick Bonus because I, I think the one thing that most of us have looked at for a number of years, I think this Jets team has been a capable team since 2018 when they looked like they were kind of ready to take the mantle as one of the better teams in the NHL. And you could just see a lot of times that they didn't play the right way. Like they'd go into a game against a team that was way below them in the standings. They'd put in kind of a half-ass effort, but they'd come away from the game and they'd win because Connor Hellebuck would steal the game for them. Or, you know, they'd send Nick Ehlers and Kyle Connor out or Mark Shifley. They'd go pop in a couple goals. and They just kept – they were always winning games they didn't deserve to win and getting away with it. But you, you could see that getting away with it, wasn't helping this team and their game was just kind of heading south and heading south. And it all kind of culminated in last year. They needed someone who was going to come in and try and hold them accountable. And that's what you see time and again from Rick bonus is, uh, you know, the jets are on a streak. They've won eight of their last 10 games. Um, and, and heading into the hockey in Canada that we had last Friday, they'd won five of six. And so everything should be, you know, joyous, right? And instead, Rick Bonus was on his team and saying they weren't playing the right way. Uh, and that's what you see. They play a game against Montreal, and really the sky is not falling based on what they, they've been doing lately with their record. But to listen to Rick Bonus, the sky is falling because he doesn't think this team is playing the right way. And when they aren't, he points it out. He stays on top of them to try and avoid them becoming that team that over the years doesn't seem to necessarily play an honest game. And when they get away with it and keep winning games, they don't deserve to win. The corrections just don't come. 
Sean, I think when a lot of Canadian hockey fans look at the Jets, they know the usual names. It's Shifley, it's Wheeler, you know, less or so. They maybe know Connor and Ehlers and all that. Is there anyone else on this team this year to really take note of that has stepped up and is part of the reason that this team has, you know, risen to the top of the Central Division? Well, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's a secret when I talk about Josh Morrissey. I mean, people are yeah. not thinking of Josh Morrissey. Like, he, he's been the Jets' best player this year in my estimation definitely their best skater uh the other you know argument would be for connor hellebuck but he's been just phenomenal this year and i mean it's going to be interesting uh, gary galley talked about this on our last friday hockey night in canada broadcast that, you know it's probably going to come down between he and eric carlson the way things are going right now and it's hard to discount what eric carlson is doing i think he's top five in the nhl and scoring right now that that's impressive coming from the back end um but josh morrissey is about 12 points behind him that's a wide wide gap but josh morrissey just gives away nothing nothing defensively uh and so the balance is going to be there if if people are going to watch him and you know people in toronto should watch him tonight and get a good look at what he's capable of doing like that balance that he brings i would argue is the best balance of offense and defense in the NHL, and he's really, you know, been, been the foundation of the Jets game so far this year. Um, but really, the star of this team is Rick Bonus's system. When the Jets play to Rick Bonus's system and play to that identity, they're an extremely hard team to beat because they're so opportunistic scoring and because it's so hard to get score against Connor Hellebuck, even when they're not giving him support when they do give him support you just see the Jets win so many of these 2-1 games 3-2 games because they just kind of set up this shell and wait for the other team to make a mistake and when they make a mistake they're so offensively gifted they can pounce on it um the, the problem with them comes when they kind of fall in love with their ability to generate offense and forget about the defense and then uh, it just ends up in the back of their net and it's a problem. We're talking to Sean Reynolds, a Sportsnet reporter mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. Uh, when it comes to the X's and O's, I get the sense that uh, that's more Scott Arneal than even maybe even Rick Bonus. Uh, is this the type of season that could have teams looking uh, again at Scott Arneal in a different light? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question, Kipper, and no one is asking that question. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Scott, Scott Arneal is a little bit of the secret sauce. I mean, if people go back and remember, this season started without Rick Bonus at the helm because he was out with COVID. Uh, and one of the things about this team is th- their penalty kill is is run by Scott Arneal, and their penalty kill is suffocating. I mean, they are winning games off the penalty kill because, you know, th- they can play as aggressive as they need to and if they end in the box, and they're not an undisciplined team by any means, but when they do end up in the box, it rarely costs them, and seems like they're more likely to score when they're shorthanded because not only is their penalty kill suffocating, but it's extremely aggressive and generates a lot of chances for them as well. These are all blueprints of of Scott Arneal. I think one of the things about him is he'd come in, I I do believe he he was one of the candidates to be the coach in Winnipeg. And so for him to kind of, I don't want to say swallow his pride, but except, you know, working behind Rick Bonus and doing so uh, in a manner where, like, he never is trying to take the spotlight and put it on himself. He's just accepted his role and doing that role great. Um, but in the opportunities where he's had to be the head coach of this team, they haven't skipped a beat. I mean, they've been great. And for him to start the season and get a good start 
for this team out of the gate without their head coach. I just there's nowhere he's fallen down this year. So should other teams be looking at him as a head coaching option? They most definitely should. Uh, Kipper, you're the only yeah. one I've heard talking about Buddy. it so far. So uh, spread yeah. the word. Oh no no no! It, it'll spread quickly. You'll just remember it was a real Kipper and Board <laughs> show that uh, <laughs> yeah. that was smart enough to acknowledge 80, it first. Eighty-four point three percent of the penalty kill, second best in the NHL. Obviously humming along a little bit. They. Um, you know, this Jets team gave the Leafs uh, some physical battles over the years more recently. Um, it doesn't feel like, you know, we always talk about Toronto and their lack of toughness. When I look at the, the Jets lineup, they don't necessarily have a heavyweight fighting type player. I know Lowry will go once in a while. It, are they a tough team? Is there someone or a group of people the Leafs players should be looking out for in the physical side of things? Um, I mean, when Brendan Dillon was in, he had that capability, and clearly he was, uh, you know, a thorn in the side of some of the Leafs players the last number of times they played. Brendan Dillon is always a guy who is going to take care of business. Uh, doesn't go out of his way to do it, but never shies away from it. Um, this Jets team is, you know, if you think about it down the middle as well, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, leads the league in, in drawing penalties. Um, last year, he also lead the league, led the league in taking penalties. This year, he's found that balance a little bit. He's, I think, seventh in the league or something like that at taking penalties. So he's, he's done better with that. He, he'll, he'll get into, into people's kitchen, right? And people from Toronto will remember how he did that with Austin Matthews when he was with Columbus, and they knocked the Leafs out of the playoffs a number of years ago. Um, the Jets like to kind of drag it into the alley, especially Pierre-Luc Dubois. And they've got the Lowry's and the Brennan Jones and guys like that who are able to back it up. And the Shifley's and the Wheelers are big men as it is. So, that, so that while they're not going and throwing their weight around, they're not going to be pushed around either. So the Jets have found an interesting balance there that while they're not pugilistic and they don't head out necessarily looking for trouble unless you are Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, they can handle themselves when, it ha- when that happens, and they do have this edge to it. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois turns things into a little bit of a war, and he's really good at getting uh, other teams off of their game. The Jets have had success against the Leafs in the last number of years when they've been able to do that. They didn't do that the last time they played, and the Leafs cleaned them up, right? So I would think the Jets are going to try and drag this into the alley tonight because that's where they have their best success against that talented Leafs team. All right, Sean, you mentioned Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh They they were in Montreal. I had heard that uh, a lot of players on both sides of of Montreal and Winnipeg had uh, the thoughts and conversation on Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting to be a Montreal Canadian. What... What kind of vibe did you get going into Montreal and leaving Montreal? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, I heard you the other day, and and uh, that, to me, is, like, the biggest news I've heard on that. I, I like that you took a stand. I like that you're uh, saying something, um, uh, like, you're planting the flag on this, that Pierre-Luc Dubois is not coming back to Winnipeg. I'll say this. Like, everything that I think Pierre-Luc Dubois but people ask me if they think he, if I think he's going to stay. Everything he's done shows me the actions of a player that's trying to get to unrestricted free agency as quickly and as expediently as possible. Uh, and we've seen that before with players like uh, Jacob Truba in Winnipeg. And, and you heard earlier on that those players maybe wanted their way out of town. And the way they conducted their salary negotiations, everything that they did, pointed in the direction of a player trying to leave town as quick as possible. That's what I'm seeing from Pierre-Luc Dubois as well. Now, 
Last year, clearly, him showing up at the Montreal draft, the comments that were made by his agent would suggest the same thing. People in Winnipeg are really, really hoping that that playing alongside Kyle Connor and kind of developing this chemistry that these two players have together and then being a good team with a coach now that seems to really get him and has brought out a new element of his game would be enough to maybe show Pierre-Luc Dubois that life's pretty good here. Your dad is a coach uh, for the Manitoba Moose in town, so your family's here, so you can be around your family. We're going to pay you scads of money, and you're in a great situation as far as players go on a winning team with a coach that really seems to get you. That's the sales pitch. Um, I think you're right. I don't think he's coming back to Winnipeg. I did have a sit-down interview with him at the beginning of the year where I kind of was trying to challenge some of the things he'd said and done. And I'd said to him, um, do you, what, what kind of hope should a Winnipeg Jets fan wearing a Pierre-Luc Dubois jersey or a, a fan with a Jets jersey who's thinking of putting your name on it, what kind of hope should those fans have that you, there's potential for you to be here long-term? And he told me at that time that there should have been a lot of hope but I went and I took that to Kevin Dayoff, and it was an uncomfortable question for him. And what that told me was it's easy for a player to say, yeah, I'd love to stick around. And then when, it does, when he ends up leaving, he says, you know what? It just didn't work out, whatever. But if you're the GM who has a player say, yeah, I'd love to stick around, and then he leaves, then you look like you messed it up, right? You look like, what? Well, the guy wanted to stay here. He said that people should have hope, and now he's gone. What did you do? How did you not mm. lock him down? So uh, I think that what we're seeing from Pierre Dubois over this year is a way of managing his time in Winnipeg where the fans don't feel hurt that he's you know about to break their heart and move on. Um, and, and that's what I'm seeing here. When, uh, now, I haven't heard anything as definitive as you did, Kipper, uh, but when you came out and made those comments, I, I'm going to say like, I wasn't surprised to hear well, that. Well, listen, this is July 24th, if in fact they don't trade him between now and then. Like, I get it. A lot of things can happen here. Um, and everybody can have a right to change their mind, and, or there's a, an, an injury. There, there could be a lot of different things. Knock on wood, he's fine. But, you know, there is some distance here, um, and nothing's ever written in stone here. But, yeah. you know, as of now, there, you're right. Everything is lending towards uh, a, 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 not a long-term commitment. So what do you expect to happen at the trade deadline for the Jets then? Like they would never, obviously, Dubois is going to be there this season regardless. Do you see them adding someone else? or, or And if so, what kind of piece would they be looking at? So th- this is interesting because I was talking with you guys last year. and you're, you, Maybe you'll remember this, Kipper. You asked me what the Jets were going to do in the offseason when they blew this up. And I said to you at that time, they're not going to blow it up. I know Kevin Dayoff, the way he feels about this mm-hmm. team, he believes in this team and why he probably should have made a coaching move years ago. Um, he wanted to see what this team looked like with, with a, a new coach. Now, in retrospect, it, it's a great move, a move that he should have made a, a number of years ago. But because Pierre-Luc Dubois, they have team control of him for over the next two years. And by the way, when that expires, so too does Connor Hellebuck's contract. Blake Wheeler's contract, Mark Shifley's contract. The way I see it, since 2018, there's been a belief in this organization that the Jets could do something special. And after 2018, they've essentially fallen on their face every single year. 
So this is the last two years of the window that they thought they always had, that they designed their contracts to get to. And I truly do believe that they're going to conduct themselves over these next two years in a manner of throwing everything they have at trying to capitalize on this window. So I see them going for a big fish up front. I see them trying to land a top four defenseman on the back end. And I see them trying to add maybe a little more, like a, a, a little bit of um, depth on the back end, a, a veteran player who can kind of step in, maybe isn't there for every game, but can step in should anything happen. Um, and, and I'll go a step further and say, I know a lot of people are thinking that the potential for Pierre Tubois to be moved in the offseason is there, and I think it is, but the Jets still want to capitalize on this window. It doesn't make sense for them to move him for future. No, he's not going anywhere. And, he's not going anywhere at know, the, dread, at the trade deadline. No, no, I don't mean the trade deadline. I'm, I'm looking ahead to the offseason. Yeah, you move him at the draft. They're going to have to move him. Yeah. Uh, but I don't... Kipper, I'm saying it right now, just like I said last year, the Jets weren't blowing things up. No. I think unless they get exactly what they're looking for and it's trading him for someone who helps them right now, yeah. that well, they hold on to this whole thing and try and win the cup again next year, depending on what ha- happens this year. But uh, I-, I can see that the Jets like the team they have and they like this two-year window to try and do something special. And I can see them holding onto the cards they have and keeping all their players as own rentals and in an ability to try and do the best they can with this core group they've believed in for so long. Bo Horvat. Yeah, Bo, Bo Horvat's a guy who would make tons of sense coming here. Uh, good he's the kind of guy they need. Um, and slide him right yeah, in I, there and then move Pierre-Luc Dubois if you need to in the summer for assets. Well, if you can re-sign Bo Horvath. Oh, you, 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 you trade to sign him. He is your replacement for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So you're suggesting moving Dubois to Vancouver? No, I'm suggesting you trade for Bo Horvat in the next few months, and that's your added piece to the run this year, and then you move Bo Horvat in the summer for assets. Sorry, you move. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, you Dubois move uh, Le, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois in the summer for assets. If you can, if you can sign Bo Horvat long term, right. and win a nine million, not, nine, nine right? will do it. Oh, nine. You want you have Bo for nine? It's it's money that you would have paid Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah, eight and a half. Yeah, I, I, so the, the one thing you always got to think, Kipper, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, is take a look at the contract that they've signed. With their players, uh, Connor Hellebuck is probably at a 40% discount. Uh, Mark Shifley has been at a 25% discount for the entirety of his contract. I know. Josh Morrissey's making $5.5 million. The Jets do not throw money away willy-nilly, and I don't think they would look at it the same as you do in that we would have spent this on Pierre Dubois, let's just spend it on Bo Horvat. And the other part of that is like if Bo Horvat's rolling into Winnipeg and only seeing it for a couple months, in, in the springtime, I'm just not what they sell players here long term in is that it's a really good organization that everything is kind of taken care of. People like it. It, it can be a good family place, but it takes time to see that I'm from this town. I grew up in this area. It takes time to see the value. And I think it would be risky to bring him in and try and sign him long term. And if you're told more about why are you why are you passing on the unrestricted free agency market and everything that could be out there and listening to what other teams value you? Why would yeah. you pass that up to stay in a town that you just rolled into? But, for but a couple you of? have to overpay in Winnipeg now to get guys to come. You will. 
there's just no way there's just no way sean that you could still have people buy in that uh, you get uh, a little less shifley feels like he's been on a discount for how many years now so he's chasing oh, the God. money he's he's not giving yeah, another I discount agree. he's not he's going to go make up that money same he lost same with connor Hellbuck. you're right you're right they they it worked out for them for a while. Yeah. They got all these guys on a deal. Time's up. Great, but now you put them in a position where all those guys have to go chase the paycheck because they've given up so much of it to stay in Winnipeg of all places. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I entirely agree with it. Um, and I could see them. Hey, we've been talking about Bo, Bo Horvat for a long time because he would help turn this team into having three lines, like a top nine that would be really, really hard to contend with. And that's a lot of beef when you've got the likes of Horvat and Wheeler and Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois. It, it would make them a tough team to play against. I'm on board with everything that you're saying. The idea of keeping them around long-term, though, I think that that would be tough to do. Hey, listen, really, really uh, appreciated uh, your time on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we're going to be watching with great uh, intrigue. Thanks for doing this, Sean. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks Sean. It's awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Really liked, I really like that conversation. And I get what he's saying, yeah. that they have their, their structure. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem, is that when even... Kevin Dayoff goes into this trade deadline. Mm-hmm. He's looking at potential players, good players, who have a trade list of places they won't go. And I would bet you 80 or 90% have Winnipeg on it. Mm-hmm. That's, that puts them behind the eight ball. Oh, like it's you tough. You have no idea. And the only way you can kind of get around that is if they are in a position to resign. You better buck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, no argument for me. I don't think as much as, uh, you know, Sean makes a really good point about the way they want to do their contracts. Eventually, you just, there's no one to give the money to. You know, if no one wants, you can't get people to be there, there's no trade lists or your own guys are are leaving. Eventually, you're going to have to say, all right, well, we got to pay a bit of a premium here to get Bo Horvat, but, you know, we think this is our window, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, just some relevant news here. Uh, old Winnipeg Jets coach and now Florida Panthers coach was fined 25K for his oh, comments. Oh, really? I thought he wouldn't get fined. No, he got fined. I guess he, I was wrong. <laughs> he did say th- they threw those guys at us yeah. like he was talking about actual garbage. Yeah, and what do you call it? He's like, he said something at the end where he basically called them idiots. Like, I think well, he yeah. had to. I think, I thought he was so legit. I thought maybe the league would stroke Paul Marisa a check for 25000 <laughs> Sorry for the poor ref. Yes. So go, go buy a boat. Go, go, no, just <laughs> take the team out for a nice meal. Yeah. And uh, we'll try to be better next time. No, that's not how she works, unfortunately, for coaches. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I guess Leafs fans can uh, deconstruct their tinfoil hats about how the Leafs so, are done by. The, the, uh, Boston and Winnipeg, I would see, would have a real need for a Bo Horvat. That's all. Maybe I feel differently about Bo, Ho, Bo Horvat. <laughs> Ho Horvat. <laughs> Maybe I feel differently Bo, about just Ho, go Bo. Bo than you. Bo knows. In that... Like, this feels like an outlier. Is is this a career year that he'll never hit again? I am not confident you're getting this Bo Horvat, who's got 
What's he got, 30-some goals well, already? There's no history in any sport of a guy performing well in the year his contract's up, is there? I've never seen that before. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe nine's too much, right? Yes, I think it is. I wouldn't want to pay. He's got 30 goals in 44 games. He's on pace for whatever that is. And what... Uh, Nearly uh, 60. What has he been in the past? 25, 27? Has he, he scored he 30? 30. He scored 30 last year. Okay. And then back-to-back the back 30s is shortened. not yeah. five and a half. Well, it's not. It's also not thirty, and it's coming with like a ton of points. I mean, his career high in points is last. Here's his points the last four years, Kipper: forty nine, fifty two, thirty nine, fifty three. Yeah, and that's one of the main reasons why uh, Jimmy Rutherford looks at him and goes, "You're not a elite center." Because you're you're a fifty you're not, point guy. You're a fifty point guy, and fifty point guys make five point five. Yeah, right. And you know, I and so. You be Bo Horvat and you say, uh, I'm not a 50-point guy. I'm a 30 and a 50-goal guy is what I am. And I say, okay, that guy's worth $9 million. I think you're worth 5 Here's yep. your 7 Yep, and that's what Jimmy said. <laughs> and then Bo said, no, 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 I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't know. How about I would give Bo that number if I didn't have to also give him term. But someone likely gives him, I bet his number checks in in the 8s and 5, 6 years. Okay, let's flip it a little bit on Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is heading towards a 90-point season, which is a career high. But oh, he's 24 while Bo's 30. 27. 20, oh, he's only 27. 20, yeah, 27. What? Okay, he's 28 this year. But yeah. Still young. Much younger than I thought. Yeah. Yep. Pierre-Luc Dubois, what would potentially Montreal need to pay him? In 2024. I tell you what, is he pu- nine? Being public knowledge that he wants to play there doesn't help him. Well, like, I'm not negotiating against myself if you want to be here that badly. Right. Yeah, you want to be here and, and find him, and that's important to me. You take a bit of a discount, but yeah. I mean, think of what great wingers in this league cost. Nine, what's, you know, Mitch is making 10 six, and you got guys making Ranton's nine, whatever. He's got to be at least nine. Dubois is 24. He's 6'2. He's 210. He angers people. He's scoring 90 points. Hey, he's a $9 million guy at least. All right. We should uh, break for old Mike Rupp. Oh, Mike Rupp. Another Stanley Cup champion on the show. I know. What a day. We're loaded. Okay. Mike Rupp. We're going to talk uh, Penguins. We'll talk Leafs. Jets, Rangers, you name it. Mike Rupp, after the break, you're watching and listening on Real Kipper. You're so proud of your last exit. And I was going to go, uh, <laughs> I was gonna go uh, iTunes and Spotify on a rating and review, but uh, you no, bailed. I bailed. All right. You can More still after- do that. <laughs> Sammy, I'm a professional host. Don't interrupt me. All right, just we'll go away. Live. Just we'll go live. Hey, everybody go away and come back. All right, see you in a bit. been a while since we've had Mike Rupp on. Hasn't yeah, it? it has been. Excited about it. Where's he been? Let's ask him. NHL Network analyst, former NHL or Stanley Cup champion. Rupper, where you been, bud? <laughs> What's up, fellas? I miss you guys. Yeah, it's been a little while. Right. I know we, we've been trying to line a couple things up, and it just hasn't worked out schedule-wise, but I'm always here for you guys. Yeah, um, you know that. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, so much... Uh, it's almost like I've been a blink in the eye and we're now in the back half of uh, the seasons in here. And uh, uh, Toronto, uh, just in terms of what you've seen so far, chasing Boston, is the gap between the Leafs and Boston in your mind as big as the standings say? 
No, I don't think so. I think that the standings would state if this team got in the playoff series, that it would be pretty um, pretty one-sided. And I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think that the Leafs would certainly have a chance in beating the Boston Bruins. There's certain things and elements I like probably a little bit more about the Bruins or things that maybe they have um, – I don't know, answered or have answered uh, as a unit this year a little bit more. But this Leafs team, I mean, hey, this is this is a team that I don't know if they're getting enough uh, love across the, the, the league as far as fan bases for what they're doing and what kind of season they're having. I mean, because of that shadow, that big casting shadow of the Boston Bruins. So, yeah, I think this team's got every bit of a chance to beat the Boston Bruins. they got as good of a chance as anybody does in the National Hockey League. You know, the, uh, I know you spend a lot of your time uh, looking at the East Coast teams and New York and all that. I've been looking at the Metro division. I'm trying to make sense of who's who out there. You know, there seems to be this pile in the middle of New Jersey, the Rangers, the Capitals, Penguins, Islanders. Is, is, are any of those teams um, separated from that group in terms of, like, I know Carolina's legit, but any of those teams do you stand out as a no-brainer, really good uh, Stanley Cup contender? Um. No, I, I I think Carolina is the one. Yeah. There's an exceptional difference, like you mentioned. I agree with you on that. The, Carolina is the best team in the Metro. Um, they were coming into the season. I think they have been every step of the way of this season so far. Um, we'll see how they play come playoff time. But uh, as far as that, there's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs in the Metro. A lot of really good teams. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay that division. That that division is cutthroat. Uh, but there's a lot of things where you, you look at the Rangers. The Rangers need the Rangers need a little bit of tweaking happening. I mean, that, here's the thing: the Rangers and Penguins are the two teams that I think can be absolute contenders. But they just a little. Get the dials just have to be turned a little bit. Like they're not quite on the right frequency right now, right? And uh, I think both teams. Uh, are lacking. Jeez, uh, boys, don't get me going on this. You have me back. Have me back next week, and I'll go <laughs> off on, on the on the uh, epidemic in the NHL of the lack of game managers and specialty players in the league. Because I think it's a problem that a lot of teams are facing right now, and those two teams are having that. Like they they have trouble hanging on to leads, having players that you put over the boards and just say, "Hey, this line, this is your role." And um, so the Rangers and and Penguins for me are are, are certainly the real deal. Um, New Jersey's really interesting, and New Jersey's a team that 13 game win streak. Uh, I almost had to turn in my alumni card because I was like, I don't think they make the playoffs still, and uh, <laughs> I just thought that they're going to be challenged in ways that I don't think that they have seen yet. And I'll give them credit because they they got knocked down to one knee probably around Christmas, right before Christmas. Um, they got back up and they're swinging away right now. I've been really impressed at how they've reacted to the this stage of the season. I think they're going to get challenged one more big push, but I think they're getting to the stage now where they're pretty much playing themselves into the playoffs. So that leaves you with, I think, the Islanders and, and the Caps, and um, they're going to be battling it out. I mean, this is, a this is like I said, a cutthroat division. I, I guess going back to that game manager standpoint, I have one little story to tell you, and Lou Lamarillo, uh, the Godfather himself yeah. would sit there and in not not every season, but kind of like once a year when our team was just losing our identity or just having trouble navigating and getting wins, he would come around the room and it may sound very elementary at the at the in the moment or even just telling this story, but Lou would come around and he would stand in front of each guy in the stall in the locker room and he'd say, "I want you to stand up." 
I want you to tell all your teammates, and I want you to look at me and tell me what your role is on this team. And so I think a lot of times as players, we think we can do X, Y, and Z in our head, and maybe we can do those things, but we got to know what our foundation is, and that's what you have to bring. And when you admit that verbally to everybody in that room and your GM who's, uh, who's deciding who makes what, I think there's a lot of accountability in that. And I think that there's some teams right now where I don't know if the players would be able to tell you what exactly their role is. And that's a problem. I think that that's a problem that a lot of teams have in the NHL right now. Oh, my God. I love that. You just brought me like a, like a cold sweat of Brian Murray <laughs> looking at me in the dressing room and going, Kiprios, what are you? Are you a scorer? Are you a checker? What are you? Happy to be here, uh, sir. I don't know. I don't know what I am. What was, yeah. What was your response? Did you did you did you give a strong response? <laughs> no, I froze. I got to be honest with you. I just uh, I just kind of lifted my hands. I mean, uh, you know, I did. I just said, the, the... yeah, you're right. I don't know what I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, it, but, 22, but you know 23, I mean? and <laughs> poop my pants. It's important. It's important, though, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, in those moments to, to understand who's got what and then to say it out loud in front of everybody. And I, I remember the one guy that was hilarious. I don't know if you guys ever had the pleasure of speaking with Mike Motto. And, you know, former uh, Hobie Baker winner. Uh, we had him in, uh, in, in New Jersey. He is like, you know, he's a Massachusetts kid. Great personality. Hilarious. One of the most favorite guys in the locker room. And this is like a pretty, like, tense moment when Lou's going around and saying this to everybody. It's like you can you can feel the tension in the room. And it goes over to Mott's and he goes, Michael, and Mott stands up and he's like, Well, my game's pretty simple. Uh you know, I I'm gotta put the puck, just go tape to tape on some passes. Um try not to do my best to not get scored upon. And uh let all the uh the light to middleweights in the league know my my fighting straps buckled up and I'm ready to go. It just kind of like broke the ice. Like, you know, it it just kind of made Lou give a little chuckle because Moss didn't really fight ever, but, you know, just to kind of like, you know, put guys on notice. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's a big thing. But I think, honestly, I think it's lacking in the NHL right now and the teams that have it have a huge hand up. I'm watching uh, Mike Sullivan's uh, Press conference post game uh, last night against Ottawa. They gave up four power play goals. I think Ottawa went four for nine or something, and he was just livid. You could just see it seething. And I'm just wondering is that is that again uh, the 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 manager parting of, of certain aspects of the game that's missing for Pittsburgh? Um. Yeah, you know what? So I, I'm uh, I, I didn't see every penalty that was called in that game. Uh, he did also say he didn't like the call so i think that there was a little bit of uh a little bit of a lot as far as not liking some of the calls but yeah i mean it's discipline you gotta you certainly gotta be disciplined in those moments and um if you're gonna sit there and play against a team especially like the ottawa senators who've been who've been been struggling like that's that's a team that's trying to find their way i mean what's the easiest way to allow them a chance to win a hockey game is to give them free touches on the power play so i mean bad calls are not uh, you're putting yourself in a position to at least make it available for a referee to call. I mean, nine? Are you kidding me? Four for nine? Like, uh, I don't care if those are all unacceptable. That 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 that's unacceptable. That it's nine. And, and regardless, like those aren't nine penalties that are called that have 
nothing to do with the the play. Like you're putting yourself in a position to make a marginal call. So yeah, I think that's all part of it. And, and the Penguins team is really interesting because here's the thing: when you, I, I firmly believe, if you allow the Pittsburgh Penguins to play their game and be comfortable, they could beat anybody. Like I, I would not be shocked if they make a run at the Stanley Cup this year. Ooh, the wow. problem for them, the problem for them is. Your objective as the opponent is to make the other team uncomfortable. And when teams do that and make Pittsburgh pivot, they can't. And they're bad. <laughs> and is, they struggle. Is, so, this, is this not uh, a Brian know, they're, Burke they're, team? They beat themselves right now. Where's that Brian Burke, uh, like where's that one or two moves where you go, that's a Brian Burke guy, he brought him in. That, are Penguin fans waiting for that? I don't know. I, I, I mean, Penguin fans are are great fans, but they, they want goals. Like, I don't know if the Penguins fan base like wants a Brian Burke move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's necessary for this team, and that kind of goes to that game management thing. Um, I mean, this team is completely and, and very obviously um, pot committed on going for it. I, I think, I think Hexie and, and, and Berkey are going to they're, they're make a move or two here down the stretch. They, they've been very, very patient to see what they have. But I think it's time now, and I think they know that. So we're sitting here in Toronto and trying to assess their ability to go on a run, and a lot of it hinges on goaltending. And here they're going to try to make do with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov and just kind of hope one of them gets hot. I just want to get your thoughts on what's changed about the goaltending position from, you know, your playing days and, you know, however long back you want to go. But it used to be that there were a lot of guys that we knew were great goaltenders in the league. And right now it's kind of tough to know. There's like a few guys we know are the elite and then there's kind of everyone else. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, it's changed a lot. I playing with Marty Verdor. I mean, that guy would play 82 games if you allowed him. And uh, he he was he was starting sixty plus for sure every year. Um, he uh, it's changed from that regard. I think in a lot of different ways. Uh, but what I've kind of the way I think you know, goaltending has evolved over the years. And this is not a a knock for uh, goaltenders. It's obviously the I think the most important position in hockey. But when you have when you have a stud, when you have the guy, when you have a Vassy, or you have a Igor Shesterkin. Um, clearly that is you, you want one of those guys if you can get them, but the, you know, they, those guys don't come around. Uh, after that, I, I honestly think that it's about just finding the goaltender who's playing well in that moment and having a couple different guys that you can use as that option. I mean, look at what Philip Gustafson's done up in Minnesota. Like who saw that happening? Like he's been very solid. I mean, you could talk about different goaltenders, what Phoenix Copley's doing out there and, in LA. I'm not saying that those players are going to win you a cup. I still think you need a veteran proven guy to do that, but navigating through an 82 game season, I mean, it's it's by tandem, it's by it's by a, a three-headed monster in that. I mean, we're seeing that more and more. So, I think just having players that are in that kind of groove um and, and goaltenders that are that are hot. I, I always thought a hot goaltender is it I play with Scott Clemenson as a backup goalie. Mm-hmm. I saw a stretch when Marty was out with an injury. He carried us into the playoffs. Scott Clemenson was as dominant as any goalie in the NHL at that point. <laughs> That's not. I'm not comparing him to the best goalies in the league. I'm just saying through that two month span. He was uh, the puck wasn't going in. So how much better can you get than that? So I, I think that's all you're looking for now, and it doesn't need to be a big name guy. Okay, Rupper, I'm turning you into an insider now because I know you hear stuff. <laughs> Rick Talkett. 
what's going on. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, that's obviously been out there. I think really strategic wording, too. I, last night on ENT says he hasn't signed a contract yet, which is the same <laughs> kind of thing as what we heard yeah. Jim Rutherford say. I was that, really that surprised he went down there. Yeah, like Bruce Boudreaux is our coach right now. I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. Like, there's a, We can listen to the words. So, I, I don't know. It seems like a, that that's what it is and what it's going to be. I, I asked you guys this, though, because I, I, I think at this point, and I'm not a big component or, or pusher of throw, uh, losing games, I, I, not, I firmly, firmly believe there's never a player or coach out there that's going to lose games. But as a manager, you, these are the areas you can control. Why change anything? If this team is going to lose, let them lose now. Like, why get another coach on the payroll? You're paying Buddy. Travis Green. You're going to end up paying Bruce Boudreaux. Like, do this in the offseason. Like, lose right now. Or at least Listen, put your team in a position to lose. I am with you 100%. Like, why? Why? Hey, you're going to bring talking in. Now. Right. So, hold on a second. Yeah. You want to do what you did last year. Make a change to get a spark. And, and there is a bump. Every single time there's a coaching change. Look at all the teams that make coaching changes in the offseason, how hot they were to start this season. Yeah. There's going to be a bump. I don't want my team to have a bump right now. No. Let's just strip it down, evaluate what kind of character players we have and who's going to work their, their you know, what's off down the stretch here and decide who we're going to go forward with. We're probably going to lose hockey games, but we'll decide who's going to be here. And we'll also decide that we got a pretty good draft pick come, uh, come the draft in, in June. Like, I generally agree with the concept. And your point about making, you know, you're, you're going to get a worse draft pick if you switch to talking 14th. now. 14th. Right. I know. It's it, it, But, okay, versus 10th or 9th or whatever. If you, well, okay. If you think it's that drastic, maybe it's a different conversation. But I just think there's such a tire fire. Like, it's so bad in Vancouver that it's negatively, having a negative effect long term on people wanting to be there, whether that's Quinn Hughes or Pedersen or the core pieces that have to just, oh, you're just going to leave us here to die? You know, everyone's miserable. We know the season's <laughs> over. I don't know. It just seems like a bad, a bad situation to leave your best players in. I think they can yeah. suck it no, up for I mean, two months, three true. months. It's just three months. It's yeah. 90 days. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with know, you. Man, to, it, to, it is. It is a it is a mess. It is a mess. Put it that way. And I think the the hardest part about it is, I'll say this: the bubble run that they had, and the run they had under Bruce Boudreaux, has clouded everyone's vision of who they are, mm-hmm. and it ruined everything. <laughs> because yes. everybody automatically thought that they were something they weren't. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden you're sitting here. I mean, you know, you know by that JT Miller signing that they thought that they were a team that was that can compete and do it now. But then you look at that roster, I mean, that was a, that was a teetering team down the – if it wasn't for Thatcher Demko last year, I mean, I think we'd have a more, some more clarity on who they actually are. They probably don't sign J.T. Miller to an eight-year deal because when signing that deal, put the nail in the coffin on Bo Horvat. I, I, it's a mess, man. I don't know how you figure this out. Might be a different tune if Demko turned himself this year into Hellebuck. That would have helped. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Rupper, we'll let you go, bud. Really appreciate your time and your insight, man. Thanks, As Rupert. always, you're welcome on this show. Hey, you guys let me know. You guys take care. Enjoy, and let's not wait so long this time. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Talk Mike Rupp, NHL Network, former National Hockey Leaguer, and Stanley Cup champion. So, God, Rupp was great today. Yeah, he's really good. And I really am on board with his 
To me, if Vancouver goes and gets Tockett right now, mm-hmm. based on where they are and what they need to do moving forward, it's not it's not a big game changer. Will it make uh, uh, PD Pedersen yeah. feel a little better about himself moving forward? I don't. Not that much. Not that I just much. Think He's still going to form his opinion yeah. on where this team's going and do I want to be a part of it long term just as much as uh, anyone else. I think it matters if it comes with other moves. Like if they, okay, they hire Rick Tockett and now they're going to move Bo Horvat next week and then they're going to, you know, okay, we're starting, we're fresh start here. So some guys are going out, some core pieces, we're carving out this cap space, we're doing things. I think the uncertainty, this waiting game is really unhealthy. It's a bad environment for your younger players to improve. And and Kipper, like how far, the, the swing and picks that we're talking about, if you could get to the bottom, I'm with you. But I don't know that they're bad enough to be able to get there. They got too many good players. Then just let them be then. like, And I like Rick Tockett a lot. But is, a boy. There, is, there a, is there a race to get Rick Tockett? Like is Might he? Be. Is he? It's not like you're signing, like a John Cooper or a Rod Brindamore is out there, and you're like, I got to get this guy now. Is there a sense right now that you won't be able to get him in July? Here's what: Yes, maybe because you're the Vancouver Canucks, and it looks I, terrible. I think they're definitely in July for sure. Somebody's gonna fire their coach. Like he would be have a, he would have a job by then for Canucks sure. Canucks got to be the bottom of the pile right now for a place you would want to go coach because there's no promise of success for years. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's part of it, Kipper. Is that they do see the potential for there to be you know the guy they want gone. We just talked if about he has Scott choices. Arneal. If the Vancouver or Winnipeg Jets go to a Stanley Cup final, I mean Scott Arneal all of a sudden becomes a uh, sought after guy. I'm telling you right now. I know it's just. So what do you mean? I'm just saying that there might be other yeah candidates, candidates yeah as well that it's could open up. It's two sided. You may lose Rick, but there could be a yeah. few other names out there that I, uh, I agree with that you come here. into the mix here. I, I agree with you here that there's a lot of logic to just playing it out. It's just so and, and, brutal. And you imagine now that you're going to Rick talking. He's going, also he's, he's looking from afar, going, "Oh my God, you guys are a mess up there." And now it's going to be thrust upon me. So if you're as desperate as you appear to be, then let's start with 3 million times five years. So do I, do I need, I'm already paying as we has been well noted that mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux for the rest of the season, Travis green is still on the payroll. That's uh, going to cost me another $3 million just to get him in for three months. Like, is that, is that worth it? Well, it's the prorated version. Three months worth of, or three months. Why? You're so desperate. Give me the three million this year. <laughs> I don't want prorated. Maybe that we'll just call different. it a signing bonus. Yeah. Oh, that would be, that would be Again, a lot. If, if, if you're as desperate as you appear to come after me, yeah. then yeah, I want three million this year, even though I'm coming for half a season. I don't know. Maybe he's done that. Maybe he's done that. The, yeah, it's a, it's a messy situation. Some people are saying it's. It's close. There's a lot. There's a buzz out there that this could happen God. next week. Jason Bruff, our uh, sportsnet guy, yes, yeah, has him going there Sunday or Monday. It's that, over. That's a 
like an old cottage out there, leaky. <laughs> and, and Rick Toggett... Everything's trickling out. Uh, as, as Rupper said, Rick Toggett was on TNT last night, so I haven't signed we, a we contract. Got, we got the clip. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Hold on. I just, before we hear it, I did want to say that his whole show last night was particularly coachy. I don't know if you watched it, but, like, the whiteboard was out, his X's and O's. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was like a reminder that this guy is a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he asked the question, because who did they have last night? He, Eric, did they have the Sharks last night? I think they maybe they've had the, the, the light game. But he asked him about being an offensive defenseman. It's like, oh, I wonder if there's one in... Uh, in Vancouver that you'd like to mold into a guy like Eric Carlson. <laughs> right. I don't know, Quinn Hughes, maybe? All right. Anyways, let's, let's hear play, it. Let's play the clip. By Verizon, Lee McHugh, Keith Yandel, Anson Carter, and what, why are you looking Rick Tockett here tonight. <laughs> Where's this? Uh, yeah. That should be the speculation. Interviewing, I guess. No. Um, <laughs> listen, I haven't signed any contract. you interviewing. No, I haven't signed any contract. I'm, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm here. Uh, but I have, I have talked. I've, I've had known Jim Rutherford and Patrick Allen for a lot of years. And they have, I have talked to them, but I've talked to them for years about everything. So, But I'm here. You're here. So where is... The, I didn't hear that. He wasn't even asked anything. No, about but, but where is the panel's follow-up in saying, okay, if you've talked about everything with them, then what have you talked about uh, Vancouver uh, and their situation? What do you think of Vancouver's situation? Where, sure, where's that follow-up? I'm sure off-air Rick was like, no follow-ups. We're not doing this. It's, they just want the ratings. They, that's a dream for TNT. Is it not? Well, guy that's like, you can't replace oh, I'm Rick sure everybody He's... in the States just uh, on the edge for the Vancouver Canuck news. Okay, Kipper. <laughs> Mr. Cynical. <laughs> but the people who do care, yeah. that makes you care that's a little more. That makes you news. tune in to watch a little more. A guy that's been reported in a hundred different places that's going to be a coach is still going on a panel. I think it's pretty interesting. For me, at least. No, I, very I mean, interesting. That, that happened to us right here at Sportsnet. That is? Oh, I'm on a panel with, I think... Drager and maybe Scott Morrison and uh, Mike Keenan. And it's like, yeah, we're breaking. 12 hours later, the new head coach of the Boston Bruins, Mr. Mike Keenan, come on out. We're like, <laughs> eh, we just talked to you 12 hours ago. <laughs> well, did, well, hey, did, could you mention something? Yeah. Torts did it too forever on TSN. Too, I will remember? say, I, well, I was doing Hockey Central with Brian Burke before he got the Pittsburgh job. And I was like, he got the what job? <laughs> the president that was like two days after call he called me a little twerp i think <laughs> that is so funny my guy that my guy so Berkey. Funny. but it's a like picture bruce boudreaux right now and his family having to watch and listen to that it's all this is the, the thing it's awful it's like that's just it's just not it's not professional courtesy. It's not, and that's that's a part of it, too. And I think that's an important part, that you don't want to look like the organization that's just going to let a guy die on the vine publicly like that. You know, I always talk about, oh, Vegas trading all these guys away, and you don't want to look like an organization that doesn't care about your veteran guys. What about the guy who's won 600 games as a coach? You want to be the organization that just drags him around behind your vehicle for the last three months of the season? If you, To me, what you would do is... Do you know offhand who the assistant coaches are there? Like who? I, I don't the know. Rumors the rumors. Oh, currently? Yeah, I have no idea. But you fire. Noel Brown? You fire Bruce. And you're like, oh, here's our interim guy. Like yeah. the, the give him the Horacek treatment that happened here. Where it was, was it Carlisle that got fired and Horacek took over and they never won a game again. And poor Peter yeah. never really had a job after that. It was a horrible stretch. for. But like, to me, it's, you don't bring in 
the coach that's going to give you six to seven more wins. That gets you a bunch of percentages away from the kid from North Vancouver who lights up every game he's ever I think ever that's been a in. good point. Could you spare Bruce and just give the keys to an assistant? That would be my idea, but I'm not certainly not running a team or anywhere near it. And if I, run the, I run the zigzags. <laughs> and if it doesn't get any worse for the Vancouver Canucks, we have now Fartgate. <laughs> I can't believe this made our lineup. I had to put it in. Was it's that too funny? Not was that not trending oh, nationally? Yeah. Yes. Do we have the audio? Or no? Of course, we have the audio. <laughs> Are you crazy? Let's play the audio. John, hold on, hold oh, on. Okay. This is uh, Shorty and um, John Shorthouse and, and John Garrett. Correct. Calling the game last night. Uh, in which Tampa Bay and Vancouver are playing. Have a listen. Now a neat play by Cole to get the puck to Kalorn, and he backhands it down the ice. <laughs> Is that you? No. No, no. no it wasn't. Uh, John, John, uh, John Garrett actually, uh, like, legitimately said, no, 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 that's not me. No, that's not me. me. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> what is... What was that from? Uh, was that from the speakers in the whole building? No, or was that in the studio? That's or in there? the skate blade of the goaltender stopping. It's like he's. That's like you know those old. So those, that was that was in the whole building though. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was. All right. If there was one sound I could use to describe the Vancouver Canucks season, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Sammy loves it. <laughs> Boys, I'm sorry. There is, if you're putting up together the Mount Rushmore of things that are funny, fart no. on there. Fart is one of the funniest things Fart's of all time. Oh, yeah. Is that you? No. <laughs> this, com- this conversation ends here, right? We're not going to go into poop stories, are we? Oh, no, absolutely not. But that's just okay. too good to me. All right, good, good. <laughs> all right. Is that before or after Stamkos' 500th goal? After. Hattie. Wow. Pretty good uh, player. It took him a while, but. I mean, what a second half of his career, this guy. So it's five. The, the, the last three years mm-hmm. have been like n- another level stuff. Yeah. Where he is like now you look at him as a great NHL captain historically and one of those Hall of Fame type of guys and remembered in almost, I, I see him in, in the last few years of his career going into that that Stevie Iserman, really good star player, yeah. and then but to a, a leader. Yeah. No, it's a great comparison for sure. Uh, 500 goals. What were you going to say, Sammy? Well, I just, you know, I wanted to ask about all the guys coming off the bench because they came off the bench for 500. Yeah. It's obviously a tight-knit group there. They love each other. Is 500 the first one you do that for? Definitely the first. Like yeah, 400. 400 you're not doing. No. 500 is uh, the one. That's uh, a great that's number. That's a huge number. That's... How many guys have done 500? I feel like it can't be that many. I'll look that well, up. You should know I'm the, this I, I am the, the producer. show starts. I am the, the producer. I'm <laughs> asking the host the question. I thought you might know that, Kevin. But it, know, is a, it is a magic number. You know many weird things? I thought you might know that one offhand. I'm going through. Um, the number, according to Derek Brandeo, is 46. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm going through uh, potential trade candidates for the Leafs, like looking at trade boards across the NHL. Um, how convinced are you? Do you have any thoughts on, on what's what's going to be a target? I'm looking at a lot of these guys like 
Matias Ekholm is maybe the best case scenario for the Leafs. Do we really believe he's available? Available? Mm. Not entirely, but possibly. Ivan Barbashev is the name you might like. Yeah, what do you think that's going to cost? Maybe a second and a third? Uh, Probably. Jake that, that McCabe one, as a lefty uh, from the Hawks. Good player, making not that much See, money. Uh, Lekkonen still uh, doing wonderful things in Tampa Bay. Or, I'm sorry, Colorado yeah. last night against Calgary. Scored off the back wall. That, to me, what did they pay? A second and a fourth? I don't remember exactly. Yeah, something yeah. in that ballpark. I think so, that, I think if you're the Leafs, you're looking for something in the second to fourth round range. Uh holding to dear life your first rounders what about Kane or Taves either of them interest you more or less or seem more or less likely or any interest at all here listen they're good they're still great players with tremendous value like bringing in a guy like Jonathan Taves to help John Tavares really learn how to lead in the playoffs which he's I'm sorry, but he just hasn't got the job done throughout his whole career. Yeah. Right? And I I think the, the there's tremendous value in Taves. Can he do the things that he used to do? No. Yeah. Higher level would still be Patrick Kane. I really I really be uh worried about trading for Patrick Kane knowing he's got some health issues yeah that that is the concern like some of these older guys like ryan o'reilly too where it's like are you trading for a name like well, what are you getting in the player because you're gonna have to pay for the name are you going to get the value out of those guys that yeah. you know the other thing too particularly those guys is that they're so um like they're two of the top names in the history of that franchise yeah and if they turned around and said, I'd like to go to Toronto or I'd like to go to Colorado, uh, we saw it, we had a little taste of it with Claude Giroux last year where the Flyers are really at the mercy of not really looking like dicks. Right. Well, and he had a no trade. To, to, he physically to, wouldn't to, go. To, some of the, the, to, to our two best players in the history. Yeah. So we're going to do everything we can to accommodate you. This isn't about, like, we're, we're done. It's over. We're gonna go get our lottery pick. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm not trading you because I don't like the value I'm getting back. Yeah, you're this just is beyond that. Right. So if one of those guys said they wanted to go somewhere, and, and, and Toronto or Colorado or New York will play off of that, it's only a question of now how badly does Patrick Kane want to be a Ranger, a Leaf, an Avalanche, a Saber? or anywhere else, how badly does he want to go to this particular spot? Yeah. And I... What if Taze would do it for Winnipeg? Right? He's a Manitoba boy. Yeah. I mean, it's... I wonder if he'd say, yeah, I'll go play for the Jets. They could use a third-line center. Yeah. Uh, listen. Yeah. Possible. And if he does, all the power now goes to the Winnipeg Jets to make that happen. Right. To say, yeah, hey, we'll, we'll give you a second or whatever. I, You know, Florida, it's not like they gave up nothing to get Drew last year, but it was below market value for sure. And it just didn't move the needle for them. No. No, at the end of the day, it didn't. I mean, they brought in Ben Sherratt, right? They they really paid out the yin-yang for a lot of 
a lot of players there that didn't quite didn't happen, and now they're without many of them and struggling. There's a lot of teams that are up against the cap, and that's why we still are ways away from seeing anything significant happen. Yeah. Sammy's upset about it still. Well, don't you – I mean, just zooming out, don't you think player movement is one of the more exciting parts of your league? Yeah, the like, cap killed it, though, That's bud. But that's what I mean. So you look at the NBA where, I mean, maybe you don't want it to get to that level where guys are asking to go to different teams and it happens all the time. But people love transactions. Oh, yeah. Like, transactions get the people horned oh, up. The, no, the NBA, I mean, say what you will about the league or how you would. That a, stuff is but like the way, unbelievable. The way that Gary has it presently constituted is it's borderline impossible to make a trade. The only thing is, at least you know your players are your players. They're going to be here, by and large. Had, uh, I don't care about that. I, I, Why would I, I care? Like, I don't either. I, I saw something on Twitter, which uh, I apologize. I, I didn't. I forget where I got it from. That's fine. So I just, I just don't know um, necessarily how accurate it is, but I think I trust it a little bit because it looks kind of. It looks good. It looks okay. okay like there's no, there's not any naked women or anything like right. that around the the, the, the introduction Johnny of smokes, it. Johnny smokes four twenty sixty nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing like that. So I think it seems okay, but it said uh, twelve teams have no cap space. None. None. That's not much. And 17, 17 teams have players on long-term IR. Yeah. Seven team. 27 I, teams have less than $3 million in yeah. cap space. This is the thing. Is that the owners have the money. Everyone wants to spend it. They'd like to pay for the players. They just can't. You know, for Batman's sake, for the league, like, it is really become an issue this year. I know, pandemic. Yeah, okay. No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not at all, huh? No. Why not? I'll tell you why. The owners are getting rich, and that's Gary's job is Thank to fill the state richifying the owners. 32 owners saying, I know I'm getting 50%. I don't care. Don't care. Don't care about fans. That's the same as the players not going to international. They're like, what do we get out of it? It's like, oh, with growth of the game, long-term future, sustainability. And they're like, nope, doesn't immediately put money in my pocket. Fools. No, it's just... People love trades. Trades are exciting. Seeing guys in new places, you know, you grow the excitement of your fan bases. That leads to more people buying beers at the game and buying tickets, which brings more money. What would be the problem with the luxury? Anyways, it's just you're getting me pissed off here again. But, like, what would be the problem with the luxury cap where if you want to go over it, then you just give money to the other poor teams? You're talking about changing a collective bargaining agreement? Yes, correct. I am doing that. And (laughs) and, uh, Gary Bentman and his owners would have... No appetite for that whatsoever. And if I'm an owner and uh, I've seen this pendulum swing in my favor since the NHL Players Association got rid of Bob Goodnow, but I'm I'm all good here. Don't 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 yeah, don't fix it. It ain't is. broken for me. Right. Understandable. All right, boys. Leafs Jets tonight. Over what? under. Point Kipper five said fights. low. Kipper said low scoring. I said high scoring. I'll take the over in the fights. Okay. I'll take uh, uh, three, two, overtime, Jets. Like like we've done there. Uh, Go ahead, I'm going to take six, three, Jets. Wow. Wow. I'm going two, one, Leafs. 
You know oh, why? you're buying into my low scoring. Yeah. You know why I'm going high scoring? Because uh, goal, the goalie yeah. situation is never going to get sorted I, I out. I could That's see 2-1. 2-1 leaves. Yeah. That's a good call, Sammy. Thank you. Thank it's going to be a good game, though. Can't wait. I'm pumped. And I want to see hey. more emotion, just like I've seen all week long. Leafs uh, talk after the final whistle on YouTube with myself and J.D. Bunkers. Check it out, right. check it out. Check it out. And I've got a, an article in the Toronto Star. Have a look at that. If you get a chance, find it on my Real Kipper uh, Twitter account. JB, awesome, buddy. You Mike too, Rupp, Chris Pronger, fantastic. Enjoy it, everybody. Sean Reynolds as well. See you tomorrow.